0: Welcome to the Creative Finance Playbook, where we'll show you how to buy property without banks or credit using creative finance strategies. Join your hosts, Jen and Joe Delafave, as we embark on a thrilling journey to financial freedom through real estate. With our expert advice and insider tips, you'll learn how to build wealth and achieve your dreams. So tune in and get ready to take control of your financial future. Thank you everybody for stopping in today. you got another Tuesday live with Jen and Joe, where we are going to go over some amazing topics. And today is one of my favorite is how to buy and control real estate with zero dollars. And I'm talking like not $1. How do I do that? Right? So what are ways that I could do that? So one of the more obvious is by wholesaling deals, and we already know that. But Joe, what does wholesaling deal mean? And I'm gonna spend one minute here quickly because this is not the topic, but I'm gonna at least go over this one quickly. Wholesaling means I found a cash property where it's usually distressed, needs a lot of work, and I'm able to get a low cash offer, and I can write that agreement up with a seller. I have a house that's worth 200,000, and it needs $50,000 worth of renovations, and I get it under contract for 110,000, right? And if I get that under contract, I can sell that contract. I'm not selling the house, but I could sell that contract for that cash deal to a cash buyer. And that cash buyer could buy that deal for me for a finder's fee or what they call an assignment fee, right? So what does an assignment fee or a finder's fee look like? It depends, every deal is gonna be different. But if I do have a $200,000 property, that I get under contract for, let's just say 60,000 and it needs say $40,000 worth of work for rough numbers. And they're all in for a hundred thousand. I could probably make $10,000 on that deal. I could make even maybe $20,000 on that deal. And what did it cost me? It didn't cost me anything besides just getting an agreement and getting that written up. And many times you could just use the standard purchase and sale agreement at your, you know, whatever agents use locally. But this is not the topic today. This is the topic of how can I control real estate really and buy it, right? And so this is what we're gonna dive into. So one of the strategies that I learned a long time ago that you'll hear Jen and myself talk about is the lease option, right? That lease, rent to own. But how can I make that into a business? So what we do is we buy real estate, which they call creative finance. Creative finance is an umbrella of a lot of different ways to be able to buy real estate without having to go through that traditional route of getting your credit checked, going to a bank, coming up with a large down payment, uh, you know, and financing it and putting it all in your name. Creative finance means we're not going that route. And most of the time, what we do is we buy with seller financing, which means we buy the property and that property transfers over to us. And we make payments to the seller. But there's a lot of folks who say, Joe, you know, I don't know if I really want to sell you the property that way. You know, the deed transfers to you, the loan's still in my name. Or maybe they say that, you know, if, if I don't sell it, I might just rent it. I hear that often, right? Or I've I've talked to landlords who are tired of renting and they really wanted to walk away. But some of them became used to having this cash flow, right? And they love that cash flow. And sometimes they don't want to sell for the tax implement, you know, of having to pay taxes on it, too. So what we've done is what's called the sandwich lease purchase. So what's a sandwich lease purchase? It sounds delicious, first of all. But a sandwich lease purchase means that we are able to talk with a seller. That seller could be somebody who wants to just be a homeowner who doesn't want to own the house anymore. It could be a second home or a vacation property. It could be a mobile home where they own the land. It could be a, a series of different things. It could be a retired landlord who doesn't really want to have to deal with the tenants and toilets and collecting rent anymore. So in these situations, and I'll go over one that we did. So in these situations, what we do is we can write this up with what's called a lease purchase. Now, guys, when we do a lease purchase, I don't know if you ever heard me before, but we typically buy with no money down. Ain't that right, Jen? She's nodding her head yes right now for some of you who might be driving and not looking. Um, So if we typically buy with no money down, if I'm going to do a lease purchase and I don't own the property, I'm definitely gonna do no money down. So what am I doing? I'm writing up an agreement with somebody selling their property that I am able to lease it with the option to buy it. So what does that look like? And I'm gonna go over some ideas, some structures, and then a real life scenario of of one that we did. And our strategy is how are you gonna get paid mountains of cash for doing this quickly too. So what we do is we reach out to sellers who wanna sell their house, but maybe doesn't want the deed to transfer out of their name for whatever reason, but they are okay with renting it with the option for you to buy it. What we do is we write up that agreement, but our agreement's a little bit different than most. Our agreement says when we're buying it, that that we're responsible for all of the maintenance, all of the repairs, the utilities, so once, That owner does this agreement with us. They know they're not gonna get a call saying they have to come mow the lawn or there's a leaky shower faucet and they have to fix it. They know they're off the hook. And because of that reason, they're gonna give us a big discount in what they would normally charge for rent. And most of the time when we're buying it this way, we pay in rent what their mortgage payment is. So if they have a payment of nine. 70 a month, I'm writing up that agreement that we're paying 970 a month, right? And we're responsible for all of the maintenance, all of the repairs, all of the utilities. This agreement also says that we're allowed to assign this agreement to somebody else too, right? So what does this mean? And we have a fixed lease amount in place. We have a fixed timeline in place. We also have a fixed price in place. So I'm going to go over a scenario of Darcy. Darcy has a house in Pennsylvania. Darcy says, I will sell you my house for what I owe on it. I just want to leave and go to Oklahoma to be closer to my family. I tried to have it listed with a realtor and the realtor wasn't able to sell it. I just want to be able to walk away and know that it's being taken care of. Um, So when we offered her seller financing, at first... Darcy was a little worried that loans in my name, but you guys own the house. And that happens from time to time. So she said, I don't know if this is going to really work for me, Joe. I said, then Darcy, what are you going to do if you don't sell your house? Cause you already had it listed, it didn't sell. She'll probably just rent it, but I really don't want to do that either. So if you hear that when you're talking to a seller, I want you to all repeat after me. Well, if that's the case and you're just gonna rent it, well, why don't you just rent it to me and even have the next step in place already done with the purchase price already laid out what it is so I could buy it too. So not only will you be able to rent it to me, but our agreement says that I won't call you for any repairs, the utilities, or any of the maintenance that needs to get done to the property, because I'll take care of all of that. And she says, really? I said, yes. We pay her mortgage payment, which is a little over 600 bucks a month. We have a deal now, guys. We had 90 days. Was it 90 or 120 days till first payment? I think it was 90 days. We had 90 days of no payments. So whatever I did was I wrote up an agreement. I don't need to even have a deposit. And it cost me 0 cents. 0. All I had was my agreement. I had her sign off on that. I'm controlling real estate guys now with no money. And I don't have to even put an insurance policy on there because I don't own the po- I don't own the property, she does. So she still needs to make sure the insurance is there, but it is, it's already escrowed in that payment of $600 a month. So this is the strategy of how you could accumulate properties. Now, what do you wanna do with that property is up to you. I know some people are gonna think, well, I wanna do a, an Airbnb, which is great, you can. Just the thing is, I'll be honest with you, with Airbnb, I got to come up with the money now to furnish the place. I got to put in spoons and silverware and all the stuff, right? And then I got to constantly run a business doing Airbnb. And honestly, that's not what we do. Sounds like a lot of work. I know a lot of you love it. I'm not knocking it because I know a lot of you do well and some of you even kill it and do really well with that. I'm not knocking it. You do what you want. But for me and Jen and what we love to do, and you probably already know the answer, but some of you might be new here, not know the answer. So I'm gonna share it with you is we love working with renters who want to rent to own the property. We work with folks who wanna rent it for a time and then they could buy it later on. So I'm gonna go over the deal that we did in Pennsylvania. Elkland, Pennsylvania is the name of the town, Darcy. So Darcy says, I will sell it to you for what we owe. So what we do in that agreement, I don't put a price in there. If you have a seller who's got a fixed price and that's what they're gonna get, you can write that fixed price. Now on your agreements, I'm gonna go a little next level, guys. You could even put that $200 of your payments gonna go towards the principal. Now in my situation, and I'm gonna give you a a golden nugget, a $100,000 payday. Okay, and this is worth more than that. So you wanna write this down. When I write my purchase price, I put the prices, what I write that the pay price is the payoff at time of execution of option. The price is the payoff at the time of execution of option. So what does that mean? Well, maybe today she owes on an 80 grand. Maybe in five more years when we're ready to go through with the purchase of the property, she owes 68. Well, that's what my purchase price is. So it's whatever the payoff is at the time of executing the option. And that's my price, unless you have one set. So we have some sellers who will say, Joe, I'll let you take over the property for what I owe. Perfect, that's what I'm gonna write. If I'm gonna write it in there that I'm buying it at a certain price, I'm gonna also write in there how much of that payment is gonna go towards a credit every single month too. Next on the flip side of that, now that we have that contract with my seller all written up, it looks really beautiful. And I'll give you an example, a no money down deal, 90 days till first payment, prices, the payoff, like I just mentioned. And then what we do is we put in a rent to own tenant buyer. So we meet Skylie's, her name. Skylie says, I want to buy my first house. I've got 10 grand down. I think she pays a thousand a month, or is it a thousand dollars a month? That's what she pays. So we have no management in place because it's not necessary because it's rent to own. Once our tenant buyer, our rent to own person, once their agreement says that they're responsible for all the maintenance and repairs and utilities, so we're not managing any of that. If there's a refrigerator that goes bad, she goes to Home Depot and she gets a new refrigerator. If the Faucet in the kitchen goes, she calls a plumber, not Joe and Jen, pretty simple. So this is the strategy why we love it this way is because what happens? I own this real estate, I don't own it yet, but I'm controlling it with no money down. I've got no payments for 90 days. And then when I do install my renter, what do I get? I get a $10,000 down payment for the option, plus $1,000 for first month's rent. I get a check for $11,000 guys. And now I'm gonna make 300 and probably like what, 60, 375 bucks a month cash flow, every single month coming in. Once down the road, my rent-to-own buyer decides to get a mortgage. I think we had the price at 100 or 110,000, I don't remember, but I know at the time Darcy owed, I think it was about 70,000 on the property, okay? So this is the deal, how we're gonna structure that deal is our purchase price to our seller, she's gonna be able to buy it for $100,000. She gave us 10 grand down plus first month's rent. She's paying $1,000 a month every month. We pocket the three, say 50 cash flow into our pocket after we already got that $11,000 check. We don't need insurance. I don't need anything in my name. She's gonna have renter's insurance. The owner of the property still has that. We're managing this whole transaction here, guys. And this is the best part about it. Now I've got a couple options I could do. Now that we've been managing this property, Darcy's long gone. We've had this property for over a year. I could reach out to Darcy now and say, hey, Darcy, would you mind if I just buy it subject to or I buy it on a wraparound and I just get the purchase done now? The loan will still stay there, but you can see we've been making it on time. Let's just do that. And I think Darcy would be perfectly okay with it because I just talked to her about it. And now if I want to close on that property to where I actually own it, I got $11,000 check, guys. Closing costs on a property like that is probably only three grand, 3,500 bucks. So not only do I now own this property, where I can now transfer that deed into my name and buy it for what she still owes, but I buy either subject to, or like I do, what's called a wrap wraparound mortgage, which just basically means that I put a, the deed transfers to us, but I put a piece of paper that says, I promise to make this payment, a promissory note. So that's the note that's showing that I'm going to be the ones making that payment. I put that there. So if Darcy decides, Joe, I want to buy another house later on, but the mortgage person says that loan's still in my name. They're going to show them that note that we're the ones making that payment and they can wash out, depends on the lender, but most of the time it's 75% of that payment. So therefore it shouldn't cause an issue for her DTI or what they call debt to income. So this is the best part about it. Now, some of the questions I have received before, which work really good. I'm gonna get into some technical stuff. Guys, get a pen out. Get a pen out. This is some good stuff I'm about to drop for you. So if I work with a seller who's currently living in a house and they say, Joe, I need to buy another house. I'm going to buy that other house right now. Well, typically I'd love to buy it on subject to or with a wraparound mortgage. But what's going to happen is the new loan person is going to say that debt is still in their name. And if I buy it with subject to or on a wrap mortgage or a seller financing, however you want to label it, they need to usually see 12 months of payments coming in before they could wipe out part of their debt. So that works fine if I'm buying somebody's house and then they say, Joe, I'm gonna buy a house in a couple more years or my credit is so bad, I'm not worried about buying a house for a while. Then that's fine. I could buy it with a wrap mortgage or subject too. But what happens when somebody's in a house today and they say, Joe, I'm buying that house over there and I really need to get this loan out of my name because of that debt? Well, the one thing that does work immediately is a lease or a lease purchase. Not only does it work immediately, it can work before they close. So what do I mean by that? They're not gonna close till say June 1st and my lease starts July 1st. The loan person could still use that income to wipe out their DTI. Does everybody follow me on that? So I'm gonna give you a strategy that works really well. Hey Steve, good to see you. So a strategy that we love to do, I'm working on a few of these right now. Seller needs to sell their house. They've got to get the loan out of their name. I talked to their mortgage person. I said, hey, let me ask you a question. What happens if I were to lease the house from them now and then just buy it down the road? Can you use my lease agreement as income to wash out the debt? And they say, yes, I can. And what I do is I write it up as a lease purchase, right? So this is another reason why I love lease purchases, guys. So I could help the seller get out of this house and into their next house and let them get qualified for a mortgage immediately if that's the case and they need to get a new mortgage right away. So if I'm offering somebody a wrap mortgage or subject to, and I know they need to get a, a new property immediately and that's part of the urgency of getting this debt out of their name, Once you tell them that I can do it on a lease purchase and it'll wash off that debt immediately, the loan will still say in your name, but I'll have it under a lease with the option to buy it later on, that will help wipe off their debt and usually able to get them over the finish line to get their new mortgage. Now, once that happens, I then will lease the property with the option to buy. I will install my rent to own tenant buyer who will give me a very large non-refundable option deposit. Then after my seller then moves into their beautiful new home and they got their mortgage that they needed, I'm gonna buy that deal with seller financing on a wraparound mortgage. And when I have to then pay for the closing costs for that deal, guess where I'm gonna use the money from? The non-refundable option deposit that I just received from my tenant buyer that I just put in the property. So once again, I'm able to help out a seller immediately when they need to have that debt washed out of their name, because they need a property immediately, I'm able to still put in my tenant buyer. And then once I close on that property, it could be a month, it could be a year, it could be whatever. But once I do close on that, I've got the cash from my non-refundable option deposit to use to cover the closing costs. So that deed now transfers into my trust, my LLC or my land trust. I do under a land trust. And once again, here's a strategy where why I love the lease purchase so much and how versatile it is. And I think many people miss the boat on using this. We only know sub two or, you know, wrap mortgages or whatever it is. And that's what we hit all the time. But that doesn't help that seller when they need to get a mortgage right away. And so here's a strategy to have in your toolbox to help that seller get their mortgage right away. You get this cash flowing asset under your belt, under your control, and then however you decide to do whatever you want, whether it's your Airbnb or you're gonna move in and do it yourself, hey, that's up to you guys. Like I said, I just love that rent to own because we get that large non-refundable option deposit and we're gonna use that money to cover the closing costs and uh, now own a cash flowing asset guys and helped out a seller and a potential renter who's gonna wanna buy the house later on. So if you didn't catch all that, watch the rerun. Okay. There's been some really great nuggets that I'm dropping here for you guys to help you control this real estate. So once again, you'll hear lease arbitrage or whatever they want to call the name of it. It's the same thing, really. You're getting a lease under, you're getting a property under contract and you're able to release it to somebody else. Once again, ours just talks about how we could do that and sell it to somebody else too. And once again, if you want to do rent to own, you can, but You got to, I'm sorry, uh, Airbnb, but then you got to furnish the property. And like I said, I know people love it, but it seems like a lot of work. So if you have any questions about how this process still works, please drop those comments down below. But like I said, this has been one of my favorite strategies. I learned this from one of my coaches a long time ago. Now I will tell you, this is not my preferred method to own real estate. My preferred method is to buy the property, to take deed to the property into my trust because now I own it, or my trust owns it. I like the fact I could write off depreciation. I like the fact that the deed is already transferred over. and I like the fact that I do own that property. But that doesn't work for in every situation once again. So part of the creative financing is finding out these, Creative strategies. And one of the creative strategies, especially for folks selling their house because they're going to buy a new house, this is a great thing to offer them, guys. They'll help the mortgage person get them their new mortgage and help them get out of it. So, and I've talked to a lot of mortgage people about this. So, if you have a deal that you're working on in this situation, I will give you some advice and take it for what it's worth. But if you try to have your seller explain this to their mortgage lender, they might not translate it very well. So I'll tell you what I do. I talk with my seller and I say, let's get on a three-way call with yourself and your new lender. And we're going to go over this together to make sure we're on the same page. I'll answer any questions that you might have and make sure that they fully know what's going on. The phone call looks is, hey, I'm going to be renting their house with the option to buy it down the road. Will my lease agreement be enough to wash out their debt to able to get their new house right away. That's all I say. They're going to say, yes, most likely, 99% of the time, right? Then at that point, once again, you write up your lease, you send it to the loan people, whoever they're using at the time. And then you start looking for your rent-to-own tenant buyer that you want to put in there immediately. And I'm going to forewarn you on one thing. I love in these situations to get 90 days till first payment. It's what I prefer. But if somebody's selling you this house and they're going to get a new house, they might struggle making double payments for those 90 days. So don't use that to break your deal. I try to do that, but it might, you might get 60 days. You might get 30. Who knows? Always try for 90, but don't you know, back out of a deal unless you have the reserves set aside. Now I'm gonna forewarn you, this is about controlling real estate with no money. And that's fine, but I'm gonna give you some really good advice too, is you should always have reserves set aside. Always have reserves set aside. So if your renter doesn't pay you, you have money set aside to still pay the mortgage because the worst thing in the world you ever wanna do is not pay somebody's payment. That is the terrible, terrible thing you can do. So this is why we're very, very big on making sure that you've got cash set aside. And I'll be honest with you, this is another reason why we love working with renters who wanna own the property, going through our rent to own program. Because if they gave me $10,000 to move in that house, they're a lot more likely to know that if they don't pay on time, that they can lose that. So the folks that we work with are a lot more likely to pay on time especially because they're planning on buying the house. On the flip side of that, if you gave me $10,000 to move into the property, I'm gonna set aside some of that money in a kitty, a separate account to where if it's a rainy day and you didn't make a payment, you missed a month because if you missed work or something like that, or two months, I still have that money set aside to make Darcy's $600 payment and not sweat it and not worry about it. Because guys, I'll be honest with you, we have a lot of real estate And even during a global pandemic where everybody didn't know what was going on and some of our tenants did pay, some of them didn't, we still never miss one payment with anybody, not one, even during when that happens. So the one thing I always recommend is you do have set aside reserves for that to happen because guys, if you're living this check to check with this kind of business, one little thing you're building on a house of cards, one little thing could make it all come crumbling down on you. And this is why we love rent to own is because you're able to accumulate big chunks of money right in the very beginning that you can use now to set that reserves aside. So if that rainy day does come aside, you're able to have some money. We've had many times where a, a, one of our renters who's going to be owning the property. And now our agreement says, and they know that they're responsible for the maintenance, the repairs, the utilities, and they know this, it's no surprise. They agreed on it. We did too. But then they call us once in a while and say, Joe or Jen, my hot water tank went. This is a real situation happened. It was like two weeks before Christmas. And the quote they got was for $1,200. And it was gonna blow Christmas up for this whole family. And the right thing to do is these people, they, they pay us for years. Once in a while, they get a little bit late, but everything's been great. And they actually pay $800 a month over their rent every month to get added to their non-refundable option deposit. So yeah, we're cash flowing like what? 12, 1300 on that one condo. So yeah, is the right thing to do is to put in a new hot water tank for them because we have money set aside for reserves. We didn't have to, our agreement says we didn't have to. And if we tried to play tough ball with them, you know, we could have, but we love and we cherish the relationship we have with our renters and we try to make it a business, but we also try to make it a people business and, and help people truly help them. And that's really been the gift of what we're able to do and help them even in that jam. Plus we saved like 300 bucks because they were gonna get charged 1200 and we got the job done for 900. So dollar saved is a dollar earned, right? Is that what they say? So cool. We're gonna dive into some questions and uh, do some q and I've got some uh, sellers that we need to call because we have some deals we're doing today. So I'm super excited about that. Um, okay, if this is listed with an agent, what happens to the commission in your scenario, since you are not buying it, but renting it, it typically their listing agreement talks about getting commission after the sale of the house, only a fixed amount of time. Okay. So Damien, that's a great, great question. So if the house is currently listed and the agent wants to get something, usually what I would try to do is negotiate with them, just like getting a month's worth of rent. Cause if you were to rent a house, that's generally what they got. Um, if they do not have the ability to deactivate the listing. Um, so for an example, I've got a, a 200000 dollars house and I was hoping to get a five or six percent commission, or at least get half of that. So even if I got half, I'm looking at about a six thousand dollar commission. House isn't selling. I talk to somebody, they say, Joe, I, I would like to do this lease purchase. Um, if I'm gonna work something out with the agent, I tell them that you know your seller is only gonna be renting me the house with the option to buy it later on. And they're not walking away with a check. So usually in this situation, Mr. or Mrs. Realtor, um, if I do give you a commission, it's just usually one month's worth of rent because they're not selling me the house now. They're gonna sell it to me at one point, but we don't know if that'll ever happen. I'm going to get hit by a meteor. You never know. So until then, I'm just renting until I'm able to execute the purchase. So this is how I typically do that. And then you see what they say. Uh, great question. Do you use one form for the lease option or two forms? We keep them separate. Great question, Damien. So we have two separate forms. We have a lease agreement, which is one, it's maybe like two pages or something like that or three pages, but it's a lease agreement. And then there's a second agreement that is an option rider. An option writer is a separate agreement, and it just says that this is the time frame you have to buy this property at this price It's a separate form. It's not the lease. There's one lease that's for leasing. And then there's an option writer, which is a separate form that is meant for just locking in what their price will be, and the time frame around that, if that makes sense. Great question. I see a lot of folks try to incorporate it into one, don't do that, not good. Worst case scenario, if you had to evict somebody and they drag you all the way to court, they did not go back on the option agreement. If they're in court for failure to pay, they're going back on the rental agreement and that's what I'm bringing to court and only that to court. Does that make sense? Raise your hand or say, yes, Joe. Yay, that makes sense. Hey, Kyle. Makes sense to Kyle, he knows. Um, so that's what I do in that situation. Um, that's why they are two separate agreements. So great question. Jesse, how is your interest in the property protected when you lease the property or prevents the seller from keeping the property after they have a new mortgage or selling to another buyer? So what you can do, Jesse, is you could file what's called a memorandum. Memorandum file with the county shows that you have the ability to buy that property so they cannot sell it to somebody else. Great question. So the question is, Mr. Seller is gonna rent me the house, plus I have an agreement too. And it'd be a bad day in court for everybody, especially for them, if they were to go around this agreement that we have in place and they sold the property from underneath me well, I had it rented to somebody else, right? So if you want to protect your interest, you could file that because I have an agreement to buy the property. Here's my option writer. I could file a memorandum with the county. A memorandum means that I have the option to buy this house and it just puts that there saying that if somebody else is going to buy it, they basically have to go through me first. That makes sense. Um, oh, I think I get to all the questions today. ask? Oh, we got another one. Steve, what's going on? Hi, how are you? I'm sorry, I came late. But uh, I think this is about a question about your optional agreement. But how do you deal with uh, rent credit when you buy or when you sell? Um, great question. So, how do we deal with rent credit when we're buying or selling? So, if I'm buying for what they owe when I'm buying it with a lease purchase, I just will put that my purchase price is the price of the payoff when I'm executing the option. So every month that I'm making those payments for the rent, it's paying down the principal, which then will pay down what I owe because my price will be at the time of execution. Now, that's when I'm buying the property. Now, for an example though, say they owe nothing on it or they've got a lot of equity and I'm making a $800 payment when I am buying the property, I'm gonna to try to negotiate with the buyer that if I pay your $800 rent every month, cause that's your mortgage payment, $250 of that is gonna to go towards a credit towards what I owe you. And you can negotiate that with your seller, Steve. So sometimes if they're selling to you for what they owe and they just wanna be done with the property, there's no reason to negotiate that. The purchase price is just the um, you know, balance of the loan at the time of execution. If they have a lot of equity or it's free and clear, I'm going to negotiate what my rent credit is going to be when I'm doing that. So we'll role play Steve. What is your mortgage payment? Steve tells me my mortgage payment is $800 a month. Steve owes 30,000 on the house because he's had it for a while. He wants a hundred thousand for it. He's got a lot of equity. I say, fine, Steve, I'll take over your payment. Um, Uh, with the lease purchase of $800. And I usually get $300 of that is gonna go towards um, my credit of my balance every month. Is that okay? And Steve might say, yes, that's fine. Or Steve might say, no, that's not fine. Um, But that's just how I ask it every single time. Now, when I'm working with one of my buyers on rent to own, we have a very easy policy. Is your rent, is your rent. And your rent goes towards the rent. You're renting the house. But good news is, anything you pay above your rent will get added to that non-refundable option deposit. And then I say, we'll role play, Steve, I have many of our renters who love to pay two to three hundred dollars a month over rent every month because they love to have that add up. And we actually have some that pay 800 to 1,000 over every month. So Steve? What's the most amount that you could pay over every month to get added to your option deposit? And then I zip it and I let Steve talk. And Steve's gonna say, I can pay X amount over. Okay, great. Then how I write this up is that your rent is 1500 and you're gonna pay 1700 and the extra 200 is gonna go towards your option deposit. What we should do is you should get two payments per month then. One payment should be for the 1500 and the second payment should come in for the $200 that he's paying over. It's a separate payment is best. Very, very easy to track. Plus they're gonna most likely pay electronically through whatever app you're using, right? Um, You don't wanna take cash on those deals um, because it's very hard to prove to the bank what's going on. So if you have a large non-refundable option deposit, do not get that in cash, get it in a check because the bank's gonna need to verify that you receive that money. So if they give it to you in a brown paper bag, uh-uh, send them to the bank, have them give you a check because that check is what you're gonna to wanna to make. Copies of front and back. So years down the road, when they say, oh, I'm ready to get my mortgage, the lender is gonna to wanna to see copies of that check. So make a little file, get a manila folder and make your folder of the property, the person you put inside of it, <clears throat> any information you have of them, copies of their license, maybe the screen, the tenant.com report that you had on them the copy, the check, put that in your files. Mm-hmm. Right? And then once your buyer is ready to go, you give them all the stuff. Right. But that's how we use our credit for that. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned you, you are this option term buyer lose the option if they pay late. That is something included in your option agreement. If it, they if they, if they stop paying and I have to evict them, if you just give me a late payment, I'm not taking your $20,000 away from you. But mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, Steve. We've, we've had some situations where somebody gives us $10,000, $15,000, they move into one of our properties, and then they stop paying us. Mm-hmm. And they know that they're going to lose that money. And but for some reason, and I don't know why, some people are just knuckleheads. I don't get it. But if I moved into your property, Steve, And I had to give you $20,000 to move in. Boy, I'm not going to want to miss a payment from you because you say, Joe, well, if you don't pay me and I have to evict you, you don't get any of your money back. So that's why it's so important that you pay me on time. We have that talk in the beginning. I'm going to pick up a second, third job, whatever it is to start making sure I I don't miss Steve's payment every month, Mm -hmm. but there's some in every situation that do. And if they do, I have to go through the eviction process. If we can't, Mm -hmm. give them what's called cash for keys where I, you know, wave that carrot in front of their face and give them some money to move out. And if I can't do that and I have to take them all the way to court, they don't get their security deposit. There's no security deposit, that non-refundable option deposit. They don't get that back and they know it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, what happens if that happens? Once you get them out, you put in another renter to give you another non-refundable option deposit. And you hope you did a good job finding somebody who pays you on time and you just keep doing it. We've got some properties that we've had. Now our third rent-to-own renter in the property, our third one, guys. One, the first one, it was just that, what Steve mentioned. She moved in, a couple months, she stopped paying. We had to literally go through the whole eviction process because she wouldn't even do cash for keys. Mm -hmm. The second one moved in, great people, loved the family, and then his job transferred him to out-of-state and says, you could have the house back. I know I don't get my money back. We said, because you're gonna leave the property in good shape, if you do, we'll give you $1,000 back. Then we put in the third person who's in there right now and they've gave us, I think it was 20 grand to move in. So between all three option deposits, guys, we've got like an extra 40 something thousand dollars of revenue on top of the rent every month in just a handful of years. So this is why we love that option so much is because we're and you know what? And I, and I don't want to give it a bad name because, you know, you do have people who default, but you have people who get a house, they buy a house and they get a mortgage and they default too, and they have to get foreclosed on. So it does happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Just about anybody can have that happen. But the the difference is, is when we get a renter and they do make it through the finish line, like one of our folks right now, and they're going to get to own that house. That's a really cool feeling. You know, we've helped somebody turn from a renter to a homeowner. Mm-hmm. We do lose what they call a door, right? We, we don't own that property anymore. But that really, really big check that we're going to get, I could buy three or four more properties with that money mm-hmm. with the proceeds. So I don't let it bother me. I let it encourage me because I know it's going to be a payday once I sell it. And it's another payday because I could buy more properties with it. When I buy more properties, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I'm going to buy them a seller financing or like this lease purchase. Mm-hmm. very little money to no money use on most of these deals. And then I'm going to get a big, huge checks of money when our renters move in, cause they're going to do rent to own. And this is how I could turn one property and a big check into multi properties with multiple big checks and really just continue to grow your empire without having to borrow money had any you know, hard money lenders or borrow money from grandma or do all the stuff, right. That some of these people teach how to do. Because when you see people having to borrow huge down payments just to get into a seller finance deal, I'm like, man, what can go wrong here? Right? Like there's so many different things that can. So it's really a challenge. So that's why I love to be into these deals with zero money down. Don't have to partner with people and really be able to buy that property and use that down payment money from our rent to own for the option to buy more. Great question. Since the time you bought when you lease option, you are allowed the lease option term by excess option within a year? If they want to. Okay. So here's the thing. Because, you know, that's a big difference, you know, short-term capital gain tax or long-term capital gain tax. Yes. Yeah. So here's what I use as your discretion. When you're putting in a rent-to-own renter, right? And they say, Steve, I've got 20 grand down and I'm going to buy the house in six months. And then you have somebody else who says, Steve, I've got $20,000 down, or even worse, I've got $18,000 down. But Steve, I'm not gonna be able to buy this house for the next two or three years. You get to pick. Sure. And in that situation, depending on what I have going on that property, I could either pick the one that it could get closed out real quick if I have to get this property sold quickly. Mm-hmm. Most likely for me, I wanna put them in there and set them and forget them. So for me, I'm going to probably take the one who's got a little bit less money down, who maybe needs more time to qualify for that mortgage. Cause I don't want to get cash out one year either and get hit with my short-term capital gains. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is your discretion. We use ScreenTheTenant.com. it's called ScreenTheTenant.com. If you reach out to Paul Ritter and his team, they're in Pittsburgh. If you reach out to him, he could give you a personalized personalized link if you have somebody want to do a rent to own on your property, you could send them the Steve link, your link, whatever, whatever your name is, you can send them your personalized link. So they went and saw the property. I love it. Cool. I'm going to send you the application. It's this link, fill it out and get it in right away. You send them the link. They put their credit card information in there they pay Paul and his team directly. It's 50 bucks per applicant. Paul's team takes about two or three days. They're going to give you a 70 something, usually around 70, 80 page report back on each renter that goes over their debt, their income, their credit history, their criminal history, their sex offenders. I mean, they check everything and you get this really neat report back. So you know exactly who you're dealing with. And then Paul and his team gives you a snapshot and says, these folks will be mortgage ready in 18 to 24 months. Mm. Yeah, you know, their credit right now is a 580. Their income is good. They qualify for that much because of how much money they make. And they're gonna need the 18 to 24 months. I'm like, winner, 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 move in. All right. So that's what I like. So that's what we do there. So once again, screen tenant.com? Yep. Screen the tenant.com. We okay. actually did an interview with Paul and his team, oh. uh, or Paul Ritter is his name, but screen the tenant.com. If you go there, you could, he's fantastic. And if you go onto our um, video library and our creative finance playbook and our group, you can see the interview we did with Paul. He walks you through the process, talks about all the things we do. He is a finance, or I'm sorry, he's a uh, real estate investor. So what they do is when they're going to look at one of your renters, they're going to find out, you know, how do we get them qualified conventionally, FHA, all the different ways, how was it gonna be? Because this is what he does. So he figures a way to get their credit fixed. If your people need credit restoration, they need credit fixed, Paul and his team also do that. And if they sign up for it, you don't get any money, but it will help your renters get their credit fixed. And he tells me it's a hundred bucks a month. He says in about six to nine months, depending on how bad they are, we could get their credit turned around pretty nicely. And he says, and, we, and he talks about the process, how he does it. I don't need to get into it now, but they do a really great job. I know a lot of people who do credit. I know credit really well. I was in finance for a lot of years. Um, and his team does a great job in helping you get prepared. And honestly, too, we don't enforce that any of our renters do sign up for it or don't. It's their choice. But if they do sign up for it, I will tell you. And then they stop paying for it and stop using the credit Paul and his team send you a message and says, hey, Steve, just to let you know, your renter stopped paying for their credit repair services just so you know. So maybe you are an emergency to get this property into their name and get it sold and you need you have a tight time frame and you need to know that. For me, if they stop paying for it, I don't care. I don't care and I don't bother them. And if they sign up for it, great. And if they don't sign up for it, that's great too. Um, I don't worry. Um, Great questions today. Um, Rabbit, do we have any other ones in here that I missed? Uh, Interesting, do you use an escrow account for that? As a TC, I'm writing up a lease and an option for someone and I might use a real estate broker escrow. So Damien, to answer your question, no, we don't set up an escrow for an account on a lease purchase. Um, I just have a separate account for that, but I don't use like an escrow or anything like this. We just make that rent payment. We use the same account to collect their rent. We tried to really simplify it. We set it on auto payments. We do want to get a copy of the most recent mortgage statement every month, or at least have access to their account to verify that their payment hasn't changed just so we're making sure we're sending the right amount. Um, but that's just the extent of what we do. Adam, can you get a memorandum signed after the lease option agreement is signed with the seller or should you get the memorandum signed at the time you get a lease option agreement signed? Um, So for me, Adam, if I was super concerned and now I don't do it this way, but if I was super concerned filing the memorandum, the minute I have that property under contract with the seller is the minute I would file that with the county. I now control the property. I want to have that filed with the county right away if I'm that concerned is what I would do. Great question. Um, What if the seller has a lot of equity and says they will let you buy the house by the way of lease option, but they want 10,000 from their equity. If they want 10,000 for their equity, because I typically buy with no money down, I'm going to tell them to go take out a home equity loan on that house. I'm not putting $10,000 into a property that I don't own, period. Um, do you let the tenant lease opportunity if they don't exercise the option, even say 10 years or what's your game plan trace? Once they collect that non-refundable option deposit up front, if they need 10 years and they want to just keep renting, I'm cool with that. I will definitely change the lease price or I'm sorry, the lease payment as time goes on, you know, rent probably in those 10 years did go up and I let them know guys. And this is verbatim what I say, Hey, listen, we give you a two-year term. And if you don't get a cash out in two years, no worries. I don't throw you out of the house. All we'll do is we'll just renew the agreement with, you know, updated prices and rent, you know, if that changed a little bit. Also make sure you get a good deal. But if you don't get me cash out in two years, not the end of the world, I'll keep you guys in the property for as long as you need. And that's what I do. unless. put my asterisks there, right? My asterisks. Unless maybe I bought that house on on seller financing and I have a five-year balloon or a six-year balloon, then, hey guys, listen, you got two years. And if you go over that two-year mark, I could give you maybe another year, but that's maybe even two, but that's it. So we need to figure out a game plan, how to get this done in less than four years. Because if I don't have this done in like three to four years, unfortunately, you will lose that deposit. So I need to make sure we get this done according to plan. Because sometimes I might buy a house where I buy on seller financing, I only have like a five-year term or a 10-year term. On a lot of these though, that I have 20, 30-year terms, oh boy, you can stay in there as long as you want. I won't even bother them. I don't even call them. Um, Great questions today, boys. Uh, Do we have something similar that if the buyer for a wrap will qualify for Dodd-Frank cert, if they qualify for QM then they qualify for Dodd Frank it's a little off topic but if you have a relationship with the QM mortgage broker it might work here buyer for a wrap. sorry that was more of a comment than a question okay responding to your to your um uh, other other one about the um screen the tenant yes yeah so like i was just saying i have a similar relationship with with someone and if you have a similar relationship with a QM um mortgage broker you could kind of do it through there too Yeah, it's huge to make sure you're doing your due diligence. So what you really want to avoid, and I'm just going to tell you guys, because we had this happen to us. We had a young guy, got into a car accident. He got a settlement for like 40, 50 grand cash. Had the money in his account. He wanted to do a rent to own on one of our properties. Thank you for bringing this up, Damien. Great thing. Um, He wanted to buy one of our properties. The monthly rent was like 1,800 a month. And the guy made like $20,000 a year. He didn't even make two grand a month, right? So his debt to income would have been a hundred percent, but he had 40 grand down, right? No, 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 no. This is about helping people, not taking advantage of people. And at first he, he got not a little upset, but he kind of did. I'm like, Hey, listen, I, you're a great guy, but I walked him through the situation. And I said, Hey, listen, and you would lose that 40,000 because over time you wouldn't be able to afford this place and it would do no service from you. Unfortunately, you got in a really bad accident to get this money. You need to be wise with it. And in this situation, this is not gonna work out well for either one of us. And he was so thankful after I explained to him because what you wanna do is not take advantage of people just because they have a large chunk of money. They also need to be able to afford the monthly payment. You don't want to put people into a situation where they can't afford that payment and you know, you're going to get the house back and you just put them in there to get their large down payment because they got a chunk of money from a death in the family or a settlement. That's the wrong way to do it guys. So this is why we love covering our own butts, right? By having a third party company screen them for me to make sure that they oh, can afford it's property it's property on, in what they're doing. Give you an and And that's, what's key. Um, Cool. Why wait till mortgage payoff to invest in other properties? If your strategy is to go in without any money up front, why are you using cash out money from another deal? Tim, I guess I'm so sorry. I don't, if you went on mute, you want to hop in here. We could. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Great. Thanks for tuning in. No problem. Um, so I just wanted to clarify. Earlier, you said that um, one of the beauties of the, the cash out when you have, you know, two, three, four months, four years down the road, when you cash out a property, mm-hmm. that owner buys the house, secures a mortgage and pays you off. Um, you said you take that money and you go out and you get other seller financing deals. Yeah. So, yeah. but you don't need that money to with your strategy to go into seller financing deals. So I was confused why you would wait until you get the money from a cash out. Does that make sense? It does. So I'm still buying properties anyways. So yes. However, here's the thing. And this is some of the stuff that you don't see on Instagram. You always see people like holding up like these checks and there's so much like BS behind it. So I'm gonna give you some of my BS you see me buy a house and I say, oh, I bought this house with a hundred dollars down and a hundred dollars down looks great. It makes a great title for like a whatever, right? But when you add up what we have and we have it for free and all of our stuff, um, it's called the cost of acquisition. So when I'm buying a house, if I'm buying it with a lease option, you're right, I don't need any money. That's fine. I could do those without getting that check or not. But if I buy a house with a wraparound mortgage or subject to, and I'll give you one right now, I'm buying one in Boston, it's a condo. Jeannie wants $300,000 for her condo. She's getting cash offers for $200,000. It's a condo that's 16 years old built in 07. She said, Joe, I'll sell it to you for 300 grand. We negotiated $5,000 down. So in that situation, I need to give her $5,000 down, but it's more than that. Because I got to pay for closing costs. I got to put an insurance policy on there. I have to paint the inside of it. I have to set aside three months worth of rent and utilities before I could find my rent-to-own tenant buyer. So that $5,000 could creep up and be 15 grand like that. Right. So if I buy a deal, even with $100 down, and it's five 6,000 in closing, and I'll give you one we just did in Florida, it was legitimately $100 down. But after a time I put in closing costs, my insurance policy, which in Florida, insurance policies are no joke, y'all. You will find out. Um, sure. But then after you add in your lawn care for the three months, the air conditioning and utilities and all that, that adds up. So what I do is I figure out what my total cost of acquisition is. And on a $100 down deal, especially if I had to do some paint, some small stuff, most of my don't, but if I did, $100 down could be 15, 20 grand quick depending, right? So that's why if I need that, or if I walk into a situation where a seller tells me, Joe, I'll do this deal. I'm going to give you a tremendous deal, but I need 20 grand down to build buy my next house. I have a whole stockpile of those deals set aside right now on beautiful turnkey houses and beautiful neighborhoods. Then when I get these checks, I'm able to make some of these deals happen. So, and I can make these deals right now. And I currently am but for some folks, they might not have that ability over the velocity of cash. And so the only strategies, what I'm saying with using that is if I get one big check, usually everybody cries because I lost a door, right? I lost that property and they get really upset for that for some reason. For me, I just see that as an opportunity to take those proceeds and divide that into four or five more deals. Um, and then what happens is if I could turn that into four more deals, for me and Jen, that means we're going to get four more non-refundable option deposits. So all that money we shelled out, we're going to get all that back right now anyways. So it's just a way to kind of explode your business without having to borrow it from anybody else, if that makes sense. Right. But you should be doing deals the whole time too. I'm not saying stop just because you didn't get that check, but when you do, it definitely helps launch things a little quicker. Mm -hmm. Great question. Um, Melissa had a question. In the scenario you mentioned with the recent seller where you have a lease option with the seller, do you have a lease option to buy with a tenant buyer or do you just lease it to your tenants? Um, so in that situation, Melissa, we have a lease option when I am buying the property right from the seller, but I also have it to where I'm selling it on a lease option for higher rent at a higher price. So we do not like straight renting. Cause then I get calls saying the smoke alarm needs a new battery or some weird stuff like that. And when, uh, you do what we do, you don't get those calls anymore. So cool. That hit them all. Holy cow. I think we got all the questions. Um, uh, why don't we to the mortgage? Yeah. Got them all. All right, cool. Thanks for, uh, another amazing Tuesday, guys, I will tell you, we went to an event last week for Nate Armstrong, one of our investors, and I'm just going to share this real quick. If you don't know who Russ Whitney is, look him up. He was one of the speakers of the event. We got to chat with an amazing guy in an amazing story started off. His parents passed away when he was 14 years old. He was homeless in his teens went to jail at 17, got out at 20. I don't even know what he did, but if you're in jail for three years, probably wasn't too good, but he came out and reformed. He did something with his life instead of making it as an excuse, started off buying one house and turned it into an umpire guys where he brought one of his companies public, sold another one for $250 million. He's currently developing a Marriott and all these things. And I think it was in Costa Rica on like this huge thing he's doing. And just an amazing story from somebody who legitly comes from the streets, who was a scrapper, who just says, if you just invest in real estate and over time, you'll become million, a multimillionaire. And it was just neat to be with a guy because I'll be honest with you, the first day that we were there, we were speaking and he was in the audience. He was just some dude wearing a track suit. I didn't know that the guy sitting there was worth hundreds of millions of dollars and is legitimately like a real estate guru. So it's just really cool. But I will say, when you hear something that that's inspiring, it gives you some, we're not the only ones, guys. You aren't the only ones. This could be all done with zero or little to get started. And when you see inspirations like that, and now you look into his life to where he is, it's just a great story. So Google Russ Whitney and just watch a YouTube video about how he got started, guys, just to kind of turn you on to somebody. But really, really cool experience. So, either way, dropping some nuggets for you guys today. If you don't, if you didn't catch all of this the first time, definitely watch it in the re one. And we uh, got some more exciting stuff coming. We've got some cool interviews with some other uh, great investor friends, some clients of ours that we've been working with that have had some tremendous results that we've really seen take off too. So, yes, you probably already know. Jen and I, I have um worked with private clients before in the past. And if that's something that you want to see these results, like what we're getting and what a lot of our private clients are getting, reach out to myself or Jen and we could sit down one-on-one and talk about that and see what that looks like for you and see if we can help you accomplish what you're trying to do because we love to help other people do what we're doing. It's pretty awesome. So guys, I hope you have a wonderful Tuesday, but I got to go. We got some deals to make and we got some sellers to go talk to because I know my team is Out at the pool, out back right now, working. And uh, we got some stuff going down. I can see Jen making the face. So I know they need a little help. We got to go close some deals, right? She's smiling. So awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Tune in next Tuesday. Same time, same fun place. Also too, guys, if you have not heard, we're on almost every single podcast platform out there right now. So Creative Finance Playbook, guys, Look it up on your favorite podcast, whether it's Apple, all the other good ones too, it's on them. Uh, we got some amazing stuff sharing on there too. You don't want to miss this. Anything you need to share, babe, just give me the thumbs up. We're good. All right, gang, you guys have a great one and we'll see you soon. All right, bye.